Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Sophist, the podcast where we take you through the major news and topics facing importers and manufacturers in China and Asia today. Hello and welcome to another episode of China Manufacturing Decoded, our podcast that comes out once a week. And this week we're looking at a topic related to product design. A good product design does not fail, right? When it's used by 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 users, when it's in the field, this that's related much more to uh, product design than actually product manufacturing. But a lot of people don't really understand that. And to discuss this topic today, I am with Andrew Arunovin, who is the head of new product development at Sophist. So we work together. Um, and he, um, he, he, he and his team follow uh, a number of new projects um, as we help some of our customers with, with development and with transfer to manufacturing. Okay. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing? Good morning. Good morning, uh, Renaud. Uh, uh, good to be with you. Um, Want to give you a, a quick uh, uh, intro to uh, mm-hmm. cool. our listeners. So basically... My name is Andrew Amirnaben. I'm from California, USA, and been in a reliability engineering for over 20 years. My background is electrical engineering and MBA in technology management. And also, um, I have been in ISO 9000, uh, basically uh, requirement and uh, testing and implementation. So right now we're talking about uh, reliability and uh, one of the biggest impact that I had in my career was developing a process for AT&T that's been going on for 14 years. It's called Mm -hmm. DIRT testing, device integrity and reliability testing. Some other companies uh, basically took a version of that and they called it waterfall. And so good to be with you and let's kick this in. Yeah, so we, we, yeah, we have a real expert here uh, on, on that topic of reliability, especially in the field of electronic products, electronic and electromechanical, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of these, uh, these same topics, these same, um, same ideas will apply to, to products that do not have electronic components, but we're going to, to focus on that because that's really a lot of Andrew's past experience. Uh, so the first thing, I want to cover because I really want to make it very, very clear. Uh, there's, uh, if I go, for example, on, on Amazon and I search for some products and there's some bad reviews, well, there's going to be some issues coming from quality problems and some issues coming from more from reliability problems, right? And and people don't don't make the difference. But you know, if you get I don't know. You 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 buy a um, a Bluetooth speaker, you know, cheap Bluetooth speaker on Amazon. You receive it, and you know the packaging is already half crushed, and like the colors don't match from the top and the bottom part, and the, the sound is horrible. You know, that, that, let's say that's probably quality issues. Uh, however, if it it looks nice, it it works fine, but then it's stops working after three months is that a quality problem well if you've been listening to it 
nearly every day for three months, that's probably not uh, a quality that comes from bad manufacturing. It's, it's probably more coming from bad design and that leads to an early failure. And uh, trying to, to, to forecast you know, these early failures or earlier than desired failures is, is really what reliability is all about. Does that make sense, Andrew? It does. Uh, you said it better than I would. Uh, I think that a lot of people don't really know the difference between product quality and product liability. Mm-hmm. Product liability uh, basically means the whole product is not only high quality, but also reliable. So the way I explain uh, quality is that you have a design to, uh, in order to design and, co- and manufacture a product. And if it's done well and it meets all the design and manufacturing requirements, okay, then it's made, uh, you know, per quality requirements and it's basically a quality product because it meets all the design and manufacturing requirements. However, if you if it looks good, but it doesn't last long enough to use it, or as you said, three months, six months, then we have reliability issue because reliability really means that you have a product that is designed well, made well, but it must last well too. And if it doesn't last long enough and to operate at least to the warranty limit or at least to um, what the manufacturer is claiming to that period, then you have a serious uh, reliability issue with that product. Right, exactly. So if, Again, if I buy a cheap Bluetooth speaker and the, the you know, there's no um, useful lifetime kind of, uh, you know, promise. Um, if it starts fading after one year, well, it was really cheap anyway. Right. Um, you know, maybe I'll buy a new one. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to feel I, I was cheated. However, uh, if I buy a set of Bose headphones, I mean, these things last forever. I've had some for... Uh, I forget how many years, you know, that you it stops working when you lose them, basically. <laughs> they don't exactly. stop working when, uh, you know, because of some kind of malfunction. But if I buy that and it stops working after one year, I'd be like, what happened here, right? Um, so it, it really comes with, you know, the marketing claims and sort of the promise of the brand and, and, and things like that. And also the, the kind of, kind of product category right again a cheap bluetooth speaker you know i mean nobody's going to die but if it's a medical device um you know something implanted into the 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 heart to as a sensor to make sure everything's okay or or even worse to um you know to keep you going well you absolutely have to to keep it going right i mean i think you you did work on, on on some um medical devices that that were doing that right yes actually i did work on a a product that we called it the ventilator basically due Mm -hmm. to covid rise and uh yeah i when it comes to that uh you know it's more like a life and death situation that ventilator must work and must work uh always on situation and uh it it must save life so you know failure is absolutely no option uh, especially when there's not enough of those ventilators. I agree totally. Yeah, right, right. Um, and so that's really a very, very important distinction. And um, 
when let's say you 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 purchase a product and then you talk to your manufacturer and you complain about issues well, it's really really important to know if these issues were right there out of the box like i open you know and 10% of the time or 50% of the time um you know this accessory just fell off or, or something versus you know, or the, the product doesn't even turn on, like the battery is 0%, how come, you know? Um, and in that case, it, it's it's actually much easier to go back to, to understand why, uh, because there was no user action, right? Oh, the, the battery fell to 0%. How come the BMS didn't stop that, didn't force it to shut down? And, but to start with, how come they were so low on, on battery? You know, and how, you know, then you can do an investigation, but it's still, um, it's, it's still easier to, to go from effect to cause and to try to understand rather than, oh, out of the box, they were okay, no problem. But then some people started to complain about that some weeks into use. And then, you know, like three months after or six months after, there were a bunch of people who complained that it stopped working. Well, that that is a reliability issue. And then <laughs> um, it can be much trickier to, uh, to, to, to do a failure analysis and to really link it back to, to where it, it comes from. Except, of course, in some cases, you look at it and you say, well, this component was underrated. Uh, and this, sometimes it's pretty obvious, right? Um, but in some cases, it's, it's very murky. Does that make sense? Or is this yeah. something you experience also? No, I have. And, and you're on point. Uh, you know, uh, no trouble found, um, dead on arrival. These are very, very common and troublesome problems that pretty much happens daily for many, many manufacturers and and product designs. And a lot of times, really, it has to do with a combination of um tasks that needs to be done in design and development and MPI phase. And all you need to do is miss one area uh, and not properly test for reliability. So the whole point of the reliability testing is to catch the areas that basically are supposed to be uh, a use case environment. And during the use case environment, uh, unbelievable things can happen. The users use the product in so many ways different than what the designer even thought about. And mm-hmm. the whole point of the reliability testing is to catch these issues and feed it back to design and development so that they can fix it so that it, you don't see it uh, in the real life scenario. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, as you know, a lot of manufacturers and well, a lot of companies basically don't believe that you really need to do thorough reliability testing. And in fact, reliability team budget is always minimized. And because of that, you end up doing a fast and quick, uh, not a customized reliability testing. And, and then a lot of the reliability engineers hired in that type of environment, they pretty much go with the old traditional, well, I'm just going to use this, uh, spec or I'm going to use mm-hmm. this uh, EIA spec, uh, which were designed, honestly, like years ago. They don't mm-hmm. even, half of them don't even apply for today's technology. And mm-hmm. so to not, uh, so to blindfoldly just apply a standard and not customize it to your own pr- 
product use case, you're looking for trouble. That's exactly mm. what's happening most of the time. Right. Uh, that's a great point. Maybe we need to, to take a step back so people really understand. If, if we try to simplify a little bit, to confirm reliability, as you said, you need to, to go for testing uh, based on the expected you know, foreseeable use by, by expected users and, and things like that and with, within their environment and so on. You really need to understand all that. Uh, so let's say I develop a new product and I'm just starting on the design and I'm starting to, to make some prototypes. At this point, is it, is it too early to, to think about that? Or are there already some, um, you know, it, or does it make sense to do some testing to confirm that this design, you know, is not likely to, um, to, to have reliability issues? I really think that when it comes to reliability, you have to, reliability and quality, uh, mm-hmm. they, they must go hand in hand, right? At the moment mm-hmm. when the designer is about to sketch the initial design, because if he doesn't understand exactly how this product is going to be used, then he is not going to design it properly for reliability. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't design for reliability, design for quality, design for manufacturing, which, you know, what we call it is the effects, mm-hmm. then you're looking for problems. So I definitely agree with you. So it has to go hand in hand right at the initial design. Mm. Okay. So initial design, at least in the, the planning, you know, um, okay. gathering, gathering the requirements from, from customers and typical users that are targeted, yes. um, you know, safety regulations and things like that. And yeah. how, how at least can, the minimum. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. At least the minimum. Right. Right. Try to collect all of that and make sure, you know, put it in a clear brief so that at least the, the designers, the people working on uh, also on the engineering uh, are aware of you know the broader context um, I think that that's what you mean and then when you get to prototypes very often I see that we help our customers actually uh, test the, the prototypes to failure so can you explain a little bit what do we gain from that why why do that what you know what do we learn what what is the output so in the uh, design and development uh, phase, test a failure, uh, especially on the component side of things or even the product itself. It's very, very important to understand the limits of the product with respect to, for example, uh, voltage, high voltage, low voltage, uh, high current, low current, high temperature, low temperature, and you know some other environmental thing. You must do your design. You must understand your design limitations, and test of failure is a great way to understand. For example, I, I will tell you one case uh, that I actually was involved uh, with a fan in a very um, let's say uh, one of these projects that was a big uh, rack mount project and required a fan to cool. Uh, mm-hmm. the internal temperature. And so there was two fans, one intake and the other one pushed, uh, you know, heat out. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in this particular case, the designer uh, basically was, you know, aware of what the operational temperature was. And he went ahead and put in, uh, you know, a, a part, a fan, 
uh, that, for example, went from zero to uh, 50 degrees. And he thought that, you know, that would be just perfect. That would be enough. The problem was the temperature internally uh, actually went over 60 because of the fact that it was also inside the room and the room was also warm. So mm-hmm. these additional temperatures uh, increased uh, the operational temperature to up, up to 65 degrees. And so we had all kinds of fans returning. And then what we found out was that this fan in particular was never, ever tested in the design to see what the limitation or limit of the product is. In fact, Mm -hmm. that particular fan pretty much failed at 56 degrees and it was spec for 55. Wow. That's um, at least the manufacturer of the fan knew what they were doing, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so, yeah, so then the full product went into production, was delivered, and then the fans did not do it, you know. So pretty much every single product was returned for mm-hmm. changing the fans. So uh, the hassle that everybody has to go through post-production because of one stupid mistake, oh, my God, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. So it is very critical for design and development uh, team to really do and understand not only what the components back uh, and data sheet says, but also confirm and verify that under their own product use case, how is that product, how is that component, for example, going to uh, function? And right. operate? Now, so let's say it's prototypes tested, then uh, designers learn something, make a new prototype uh, that, um, integrate the learnings plus maybe some other improvements then this type of, um, of of reliability testing might come back several times right until it's really confirmed you know the performance and the reliability of the final prototype is all good uh, plus you know user testing also says it's good so we can freeze the the product design is that correct well, you said something that is extremely important that many, many companies, and in fact, a lot of reliability engineers, particularly the junior level reliability mm-hmm. engineers don't understand. And that is right at the beginning of the design, you have to have a very, very good and proper reliability test plan. Mm-hmm. And that test plan right at the beginning must have confirmation of testing for some of the components on the engineering level. So it's a little bit more than just a product level, but it's also component level, PCB level, and then product level tests. So the initial test is extremely critical to be thoughtfully designed so that the test, I'm talking about the test plan. The Mm -hmm. test plan has to be thoughtfully designed so that it really covers all unforeseen uh, scenarios of use case environment, either in the field or even during the testing. And so you want to make sure that you catch all these issues. And then as you go from one build to the next build, you must not change your test plan. This is the Mm. biggest mistakes happen all the time. (laughs) All of a sudden they loosen this back and the next test, or they 
tighten it. Either way, you have just mm-hmm. messed up the whole thing because the whole idea is that, okay, you have come up with an idea of solid plan and you just, you know, unless there is a serious problem with the plan and you miss something important, yes, of course, you have to modify and update it. But otherwise, if everyone has agreed and it's been thought well, then you just follow it through all the way. And then that's, you know, keeping the test plan constant, you will see that the only thing that is changing or the variable is basically the results. You know, it, you know, your reliability growth plan is improving reliability mm-hmm. as you go from one build to another. However, mm-hmm. if you come up like at the last minute on, you start thinking, hey, you know, two builds, we haven't been able to pass this one part. Let's just loosen it and just say known issue and go. Mm-hmm. Well, you're looking at some huge issues in the field soon. Right, right, right. And that that happens often when you have uh, ex- extreme pressure, right? So exactly. um, just to, to go in a slightly different direction, but we'll get back to this uh, d- different testings at different stages of, of development and production. That reminds me of the Samsung Note disaster because there's there's no other way to to cut it. And when when one understands the context of uh, you know of of the launch of that phone, it it becomes much more apparent uh, that what you just said might have applied there. I mean, Samsung at that time was seen as a fast follower of Apple, but they were not seen as a as an innovator really in in that space at least. And and they, they were not happy with that. So what they did is they switched. There was no Galaxy Note 6. They they went straight to 7 to put it in front of the iPhone 7. Right. And I think they even wanted to launch it like 10 days before the iPhone. Yes. Right. <laughs> and and there was just enormous pressure. And they, they tried to cram every feature they could into that phone. Right. And they, they made it really, really complicated. And and they, they released it. Well, if you ask me, I think what you just said is a mistake. Is a mistake that the, you know some Samsung engineers made. I uh, agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let me explain. I I agree mm-hmm. exactly what you said, and you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Uh, the pressure that they put in. So so let me give you uh, our audience a little bit of background on that. Mm-hmm. So uh, Galaxy Note issue. Uh, happened uh, between 2016 to 2018, uh, roughly about 2 million Galaxy Note 7 batteries were exploding uh, spontaneously with no cause or no reason. Uh, Slight bend or little movements all of a sudden would spark a fire and explosion. Uh, It got to a point that uh, even, you know, uh, nobody was allowed to take their phone into an airplane, so really caused mayhem in the industry. Uh, cost uh, Samsung $5.3 billion, and uh, a number of huge number of customers basically went away from Samsung to uh, iPhone and never at the time. At the time, actually, I was working for LG, and we got really nervous because we were wondering. Uh, what was their cause? Could it happen to ours? We mm-hmm. didn't have any issues because we were also making our own batteries. Um, mm-hmm. And then what What really uh, the root cause was found, uh, you know, uh, for uh, Samsung issue 
uh, was basically the battery itself was defective. And, and it goes back to what you just said, uh, Renal. Uh, because of the schedules, marketing schedule, trying to beat the competitor, trying to be in the market first, they pushed their suppliers to the limit to a point where the suppliers basically cut corners on quality and reliability and they didn't, didn't, they didn't really do thorough testing on this uh, battery. If they had just done some of the very uh, critical battery tests, you know, bending tests, uh, nail tests, and some other very critical drop tests, for example, and they would have found these issues very easily. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, LG has never had, had never had this kind of problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From what I understood, it's, yeah, it's not just the battery. It's like the battery as it works together with the, you know, the components, the way they are set and, 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 you know, how, the, uh, all kinds of things is, is, and they were working with, I think, two different battery suppliers. Yes. Um, and it's, it actually, there were some issues with both of them, even though at the start they thought it was only one of them. So it right. might not be purely, you know, only one supplier skipping tests, but it might be also that you push the suppliers to make the battery so thin with so little protection, you know, and that that's a design issue. And then that right. goes straight back to reliability, right? Designing for reliability. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, uh, when, when a company loses 5.3 billion, it, it's very lucky for them that it was Samsung. They could afford yeah. to handle 5.3 billion. Any other company would have been basically mm-hmm. out of business for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, Samsung is back. And of course, they have definitely shown that they have improved and increased their reliability on all levels. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge eye-opening thing for Samsung. They almost went out of business, basically. And so I think that this is a this should be a lesson to just about every company who's making any kind of product that if you don't put in small amount of money that looks big at the beginning of the development, then you're looking at possibly losing huge amount of money or even uh, losing the whole company uh, oh. over a reliability oh. testing cost. Well, and killing people in the process, depending on the yes. kind of product. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that would, that's another one, right? So, for example, the, the airplane uh, crashes, the MAX. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, what was it? Yes, yes. That, that was an amazing uh, issue uh, with, with an airplane that killed over 300 people. Uh, until they found out it was just a software issue. Mm-hmm. Yep, software and lack of training and and yes. so on and so forth. Yeah, with no controls over that, that uh, issue. And that again was, of course, when they introduced that, when they developed that software, they did not think, well, what's the pilot going to do? Right, <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> oh, maybe yeah. they need special training. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I could translate that like a, a very thorough, detailed user manual. Have you ever opened the user manual and you're like, oh, it's just two pages. But then you start using the product, you realize, oh, my God, there's a lot more that I need to know and it's not here. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the pilots probably thought that, you know, the other stuff is all automated. It's all not necessary to know about it. Mm-hmm. And there it is, you know, cause a big problem. Right, right, right. So, yes, just to... To, to go back to one topic and then we're running out of time, but we, we can do a follow-up on the, the, the other types of 
tests uh, later in production. What, when you say it is very important to have a very well thought out test plan. So the test plan, uh, when it comes to uh, reliability, and, and usually it's like you test for performance, you test for durability, reliability. I mean, it's, um, you, you can catch a lot of issues with that, that kind of testing, right? It is really a, uh, how to say, a translation of what's going to happen in that, to that product uh, once it's out there in the field. And is it going to withstand that or is it going to go you know, to just to fail or, or even worse, to lead to catastrophic failures like the Samsung Notes, you know, overheating and then exploding? Is that correct? Would you, would you say that it's really a translation of what will happen and it allows the company to um, to learn how well the prototypes are doing, and then later on we to confirm that production um, is 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 okay and would not lead to failures. Yeah, I that that's a great point. So a lot of companies totally forget that mm-hmm. there is somehow they need to validate and verify that the production units coming out of the line are actually still meeting the quality and reliability requirements set forth right at the beginning of the design. Uh, And unfortunately, you know, it does cost money because you have to take some samples uh, from the line and actually do reliability testing. And those samples are basically destroyed, cost money, and you have, you can't do it only one time. And you, you know, you have to do it continuously. That's, that's called um, ongoing reliability testing. And if you don't have an ongoing reliability testing, which mimics pretty much the original reliability test plan that was created, except more of a critical test that will catch more, like 80% of the issues. And then once you catch it, then you must do the full reliability test to see actually what really changed and what's the deviation compared to the original plan. And unfortunately, again, all of these things cost money and time in some cases, the failure is so big and huge that the production must be shut down. Mm. And um, most companies can't afford shutting down production. It costs money and revenue. And so, you know, there is that uh, trade-off that they have to think about. Do you want to put an ongoing reliability test plan in place or you want to risk having some issues uh, down the line in six months? You know, the great thing about ongoing reliability is that as soon as you start the production, the high volume production, and this process will catch in the first 30 days, all the issues that are happening in production. Once you fix them, hopefully within the 60 days, there's not much any more reliability issues. And if production is consistent, then... Mm -hmm you should really not see any issues. However, if you don't have this implant, you will never know it. And then next thing you know, you have all kinds of uh, field returns and you and I see that every day coming from our customers. Well, yeah, as you say, if if you do that at the start of production, you can definitely find some, some, some issues if they are there, you know, it's highly likely you catch them and then reliability grows, as you say, um, you know, the, 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 the risk goes down over time if you address the root causes of these issues. But then it, it really, uh, in the longer run, it comes down to, hey, has 
you know, has the battery supplier changed something? Has the PCBA supplier, for some reason, done a redesign without telling us? <laughs> you know what, um, or, or, or whatever, right? It it, it can right. it can come from um, from different parties, and 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 these are the the, the risks of um, yeah of having an extended supply chain with a, a number of different critical components coming from here and there. I mean, it's it's just part of the risk, and then because there are risks. You you need to have a budget for um, controlling, you know, for for testing if these risks are you know are there or not. That's just the way it is. If you if you go for a very simple product that is never going to kill or hurt somebody, then you know it, it's a different um, it's it's a yeah. different issue, right? So cool. I think yeah, we covered a lot of ground. That that was quite quite useful. Thanks a lot, Andrew. And um, I, I guess we'll uh, we'll hear from you again soon here because there's so many topic topics I want to cover around reliability, product reliability. I totally um, agree. There's a lot a lot to cover, and I totally appreciate you inviting me. Thank you very much, Ronald. <laughs> thanks a lot, Andrew, and uh, thanks to all the listeners. And we'll uh, be here as usual next week. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophies Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com. That's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.